Oh, there's so many of them. So many of them. And we get to the uh, nub of them every Tuesday, Thursday with Mr. Tom Korski. He is the managing editor over at Black Locks Reporter. Hello there, sir. Hi, Alex. You getting your mail? I, I am. <laughs> Are you getting your mail? Are they delivering mail? Do they still deliver mail? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I've, you're right. No. Actually, now that you met, well, it's only bills. It's only paper. It's only uh, flyers. I don't remember the last it's, time. It's flyers and invoices. That's right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. look, that is one benefit that might come out of this is that we'll say, well, we don't actually need these federal services because uh, I haven't missed them. It's interesting. I get to what the Public Service Alliance is up to. Cabinet's response is more baffling to me. Oh, totally. Uh, Why they are drawing a line in the sand on this. You know, uh, the union is, uh, no one has more seniority than than union executives in this town. Mm -hmm. And you know why they're doing this, my two cents. They can see what's coming over the hill. Someday there will be a cabinet change. There's every chance the next cabinet is going to be cutting. And if it's a poly of cabinet, he's already said he's going to cut some some billions, starting with the CBC, Department of Industry, corporate uh, subsidies, and on and on and on. Well, there so, is 31% to cut, you know, given that they were uh, hired. I mean, this government has hired so many people. And it's like, why are the services worse when you've bloated this system so much. I, I well, self-interest. I mean, Public Service yeah, Alliance, they're, they're capitalists and so are we. So they say, well, look, we should, we should get every dime off the table because we can see what's coming around the bend. It's cabinet response that that doesn't make any sense to me. The only counter argument is, look, at we've been you know, blood, sweat, and tears. We balanced a budget. There's we have to do this for the children. Yeah. But after you've been on an eight-year bender, it's why are you now waking up, discovering Jesus, and saying, you know, we have to get back to the Bible no more? You know, when the prime minister says, "Good Canadians are going to get impatient with this," that was after the strike had been on for approximately an hour and a half. <laughs> I, I, it, it, I don't get yeah. it. I don't get it either, and uh, I don't know where they're going to go with this. Um, Where do you predict this goes? Because, um, you know, the the fact is services were upside down before, Uh, and again, they're asking for a lot. What does this government do? Where do you see this going? Are they going to lose support with Jagmeet Singh by um, ordering them back to work? This is a big voting block for the left. Yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm no Kreskin on this because I didn't think there would be a strike. I I really didn't, and I said so. You know, I I did not see the Treasury Board. Um letting this happen if there's not a uh, settlement within uh, three days it starts to get complicated bad strike in 1991 ended with back to work legislation but that was you know that was the 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 dying embers of the Mulroney regime and in exchange the public service alliance got famously a promise of ironclad job security, which was quickly repealed by the next yeah. cabinet. That's the thing when you're in the public service alliance. Those guys have long memories. Oh, yeah, they do. And um, look, I think it's a mistake. They want to have back um, a hybrid enshrined into their agreements, which would only lead every, every union to do that. But we don't even have the data, Tom, to know if this works. And if you look at the public sector and what happened during that two years, I know the, the line in the ad is, well, we were on the front lines while people were locked down. No, excuse me. The CRA staff were of the longest uh, paid leave during that time. Uh, they all got office equipment, $36 million that you guys reported on. Um, they had it pretty good. 
Yeah, but you, you know what the problem with that plan was? Cabinet took the most expensive route. Number one, you sent everyone home. Number two, you gave them a free chair. Number three, you didn't sell the office buildings. Yeah. That was the whole point. Get out of the real estate business, sell the buildings so that you at least get some savings going. Instead, Treasury Board President Forte came up with the most expensive scheme possible, which is to have these thousands of square feet of office buildings that are half empty, but cooled and air conditioned and heated and cleaned full time. It made no sense. It makes no, and it makes no sense that we hear the union uh, officials say, look, these buildings are, are dirty. They're not put together yet. I'm like, you've had how many years to put these things back together? For just the sell. It's, just, yeah, just sell them just or just make them housing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, say, yeah, anyway. yeah. <laughs> um, Dominic LeBlanc's uh, sister-in-law, the uh, interim Ethics Commissioner has uh, suddenly, I guess, stepped down and, um, well, I mean, it'll conveniently pause several investigations, but uh, what a mess. It was, wasn't it? Why couldn't they see this coming? Because <laughs> they're ethically and, uh, challenged. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but it's almost as if cabinet did see it coming because <laughs> what they've achieved is to essentially stall every ethics investigation now until they get around to appointing another commissioner. So that's what happens when you name the sister-in-law as acting commissioner because you need someone to sign the uh, sign the investigations. Maybe, maybe they could put Alexander on. Trudeau in charge. He's well, got signing put, stuff. Just get someone else, right? There are other lawyers on staff. It, this was not handled well. But you know what? This strike hasn't been handled well, and the budget wasn't handled well. I don't think I'm being unfair to say you, people, rational people could legitimately ask, who's in charge? Where are we going? What are they trying to achieve? What's the point? Those are almost rhetorical questions now. Which is what the budget officer, Yves Giroux, I guess, was asking. I think this is fascinating. That, so, yeah. you know, he, he is out where he's like bluntly saying that this government has completely lost control of its spending. And so the, the, for, the, the Christian Freeland's office was forecasting half trillion budgets for years, right, you know, right through 2028. They're, they're not even trying at this point, Tom. To, to, it's like the fiscal anchors that they talked about, they, they've completely, they don't even exist. Yeah, no, it didn't even last a year. Uh, people will famously recall Minister Freeland and Finance in 2022 said, this is a look at, this is a line in the desert. This is a red line. This is a line we will not cross. And I mean never <laughs> will the, our debt to GDP increase. Well, guess what? It's increasing. So there is the budget officer testifying Senate National Finance Committee. You quote him accurately. Alex, he said, has the government lost control of its spending? I don't know, but... It was not a moment to inspire confidence. We haven't balanced a budget since 2007. There are current fiscal projections to 2027. There is not a balanced budget in sight. The kids are going to pay for this. Mm -hmm. We're talking big money. This is huge money. Debt ceiling is going up to $1.8 trillion. Yeah. The kids will pay and pay and pay. Well, maybe they can cut their Disney subscriptions in Ottawa. Well, <laughs> wouldn't that help? There, <laughs> I mean, there, uh, is, that. Well, there I, is that, is it there? Look, we used to kind of freak out when Bill Morneau would come out and say, I think it was like a $28 billion, uh, I think it was deficits, and people were freaking out. Now now it's like, it's it's a number, so it's like pie. Look, at if you're a capitalist, you, you know, now you know why the Public Service Alliance of Canada is on strike. Well, what's a little more money? They might as well give them whatever they want. They don't care. Millions going out the door anyway. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, why, you know, instead of giving it to Frank Bayless ventilators or McKinsey or SNC-Lavalin or contractors, well, why not? I mean, Joker's wild. That's because that's what happens 
when you don't have real lines in the sand, when you have fake lines. Yeah. And that's where we are. Um, this story really sparked um, a nerve with people. And we're talking about the citizenship oath ceremonies that are, I think, always so very touching. But more than 360,000 new Canadians swore their oath at these ceremonies, according to the data of, um, you know, collected in the Department of Immigration. And they want to replace these ceremonies with a checkbox on a federal website. But it has really um, pissed people off. Made them very angry, and it's funny. It cuts across all lines. Uh, there's And everyone, it's, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. Just about everyone you talk to has an immigration swearing in ceremony. So many people do. It's so profound what happens. Well, you have to appear in a public setting. You must, in public, raise your hands with a steady voice, eyes forward, and swear loyalty to Canada, our Constitution, the King, and all our laws. You must swear to be a good citizen. And people love it. Mm -hmm. it. It brings tears to their eyes. And Immigration Minister Sean Fraser came up with an idea that we could just replace that with a checkbox. There was a conservative MP. His name is Tom Kamich from Calgary Shepherd. He asked, in the House of Commons, how many people took this oath last year anyhow? And it was over a third of a million. And they have decided... Fraser's department to make this final by the 1st of July so they can have their Canada Day checkboxes in perpetuity. We'll see what happens. If uh, I've, I've said, Alex, if Sean Fraser is half the immigration minister with political know-how that I think he is, he will realize this is a very, very stupid idea. It is so stupid. It is so short-sighted. I mean, if you talk to the people that go to those, and I've covered a lot, and I'm sure you have too, they remember that day with their family for the rest of their life, they remember what oh. they wore. They remember the thoughts of the uh, the challenges of getting here, the oh. hardship they left. It is a moment in, in time that they. I, I I don't understand what they're thinking on this. So are oh. you? So are there going to be any services then on Canada Day, or is it just check the box? Like, are, are they going well, to be held? Well, they say it's going to be an option, but right now it's a legal requirement. That's why people show up, right? Who wants to drive downtown and look for parking? That's the point. Alex, my father took that ceremony. I'm going to tell you something. I've never told this story. When he passed away, he had a safety deposit box at the bank. We said, well, Pop didn't have anything, right? There was no Korsky millions. <laughs> we went down to the bank. You'll never guess what was in the safety deposit box. Mm -hmm. His 1947 citizenship card. That's what it means to people. And I bet it means so much to you. You probably still have it. Absolutely. Yeah. They, they, they're they're uh, confoundingly stupid. Uh, in yeah, it makes no sense. All makes right. no sense. We'll talk again. Very much appreciate it, Tom. Always. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. All right. That is Tom Korsky. And again, this is not a political thing. This is across lines where people are just saying, no, like, stop. You would never, this would never be a suggestion in the United States. Are you kidding? Any politician who suggested that idea in the U.S. would be court-martialed out. But here, eh, it's just Canada. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.